Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. What is peace really? What does that word peace mean for you? Is that a life of no problems, no deadlines, no conflicts, no responsibilities? Sounds peaceful, but we all know that's not reality. And so what is peace to us? I think for for many of us that are in the church, when we think of peace, that feels like a religious platitude like something that we hear repeated in pulpits, but like none of us really ever quite experience. In uh, Christmas time, we we read from Isaiah 9, 6, where he says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given, the government will be on his shoulders, he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. And yet we hear that passage in a time of year that's filled with the warmth and the the fireplaces and the candlelight services and the nostalgia of music and it still feels like sentiment and not like real experience. And I believe from the word of God that God has actually made a way for us to experience peace. But how? How? Like, where do we find that peace and how do we access it? I think that's, that's a theme that we're going to see in this passage that we're reading this morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you want to follow with me, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through verse 9. We have that on the screens as well in the same translation that I'm reading from. You can join me there if you would like. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement, and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. So as I was reading this passage over and over this week and preparing for this morning, these two phrases kind of stuck out to me. 
He talks about don't be anxious, right? Pray, and he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts. And then in verse nine, he says, the God of peace, the peace of God and the God of peace. See, Paul is speaking to this, this church in, in Philippi, and these people must be just like you and I in that they're probably on their list of one thing they want more of in their life is peace. They need peace. I don't know the exact details of what's happening for each of the lives of these people, but obviously there's some disagreement in the church. Some things are, are out of sorts, and so Paul is giving them this list of practical things to do that will actually create peace in their lives. And in the same way, we need peace in all the ways that these people needed peace here. So this morning, I have one big idea, and then we're going to look at how it applies to all the different facets of life that he talks about here. Here's the big idea. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. It's that Christ-shaped living brings cross-purchased peace. Christ-shaped living brings cross-purchased peace. And I just want to point out some elements of what we're going to look at. The first is the word process. You see, there's, there's multiple things on this list where he's saying, do this. So uh, when, when we talk about process, it's the things that I do. Okay, that's the I do's. The promise is when God says that he'll do. So there's process words, you do this. There's promise words, God's gonna do this. And then there's words about the presence. This is where God says, this is what I will be for you. Okay, so the process and the promise and the presence. I want us to look at the different facets of peace that Paul mentions. Well, back in the beginning of this passage, in verse two, he kind of exposes, he's kind of outs these two ladies in the church. Now, I don't know if you've ever been kind of uh, outed before, like publicly someone calls your name. I, I remember in college, I had a crazy roommate. Like, you know, we all have maybe a, a, a crazy roommate story from college. I, had, I have a, one that will top your crazy roommate story from college. Okay, this guy was awesome. He, um, he, he'd never washed his clothes ever. He, he had a mattress in his room on the floor and he would take all of his clothes and he would pile them on the mattress and he would put some under his head and he would cover himself with the others at night and that's how he'd sleep and he would wake up, throw on some clothes. The dude never ever wore shoes. He walked to class barefoot every single day and he was a very, very outgoing personality. Okay, we'll just, I mean, and that's like, um, that's, that's an understatement. So my roommate we're walking up to campus together. We get to the quad where everyone is. And he goes this way to his class. I go this way to my class. He waits till I get a, like halfway across the quad. And he says, hey, Chris. I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? Don't worry, you can give me my underwear back later. He yells this across the quad and I'm like, come on, bro, like, that's just wrong, right? That's just wrong. I just was like, I just turned red, right? As, as I'm walking through the quad of this college campus. Well, Paul, if you can just imagine we're a church gathered like this in Philippi, they're reading through the whole letter. And then you hear your name called. 
I urge you, Odia, and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I just imagine that there would have been a little bit of red face of like, oh my gosh, my name just got mentioned in the letter. But here's the thing, Paul's not being rude. He's being incredibly loving. In fact, if you look at the words surrounding this, dearly loved, longed for brothers and sisters, joy and crown, dear friends, right? Help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side. He deeply cares for these women and about this disagreement that's going on in the midst of their life. And he tells them, he uses this phrase, agree in the Lord, in the Lord. You see, the the first way that this big idea plays out is that Christ-shaped living brings cross-purchased peace in our relationships. It brings it to our relationships. Um, that, That phrase, in the Lord, is key because in Christ, there is always a third person in your relationship. If you are, are out of sorts with your spouse and you are both believers or, or a friend in the church or someone in your house church and you're, you're out of sorts but you're both believers, there's something else in that relationship that actually makes reconciliation possible. Because this Christ-shaped living is where, where Jesus himself emptied. He emptied out his life. He goes to a cross to to pay for our wrongdoings. And there are times for us, if we're going to join in the sufferings of Jesus, we actually have to die to being right. We have to die to holding on to whatever thing has been done and to be Christ-shaped in our living is to be able to let go and to forgive and to say, you know what, we don't agree, but I still love you and I still wanna, I wanna be in your life, right? So Christ-shaped living will bring peace to our relationships. It's not ever a question of if conflict will happen, right? It's always a question of when will it happen? None of us probably let well, actually I take that back. Some of you love conflict. You thrive on conflict. You get excited about that. Some of you just want to run and hide behind this curtain right here whenever conflict happens, right? I, I know, but it's always going to happen. But Jesus will actually bring peace to our relationships if we will live in a Christ-shaped Way. The second thing, okay, we see this in these, these following verses, starting in verse four through five. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And he says, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The second way this big idea plays out in our lives is that Christ-shaped living brings cross-purchase peace to our community, it brings peace to our community. I, um, in, in my little cluster of homes, we have a little bit of a drama situation going on in my neighborhood. And uh, I love all my neighbors, but there's one neighbor that's just created some havoc with the other neighbors. And I, I, I was out washing my car yesterday and I had multiple neighbors stop and say, oh, did you hear blah, 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 blah. And they're telling me all that's happened. And I'm like, huh. Like there's part of you that wants to jump in and pick a side. But then I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? How would Jesus handle this situation? 
Jesus cares about this neighbor who's creating all this havoc, and he's creating about all these neighbors who are offended. And so I begin to just interject of saying, yeah, I, I'm concerned about him. I'm concerned about him. I think he needs us to help him. And that little statement changed the whole tone of the conversation. Just by bringing Jesus into a situation. You see, Christ-shaped living will bring this peace into our community. Paul uses this word graciousness. That, that word could be translated as reasonableness, gentleness, moderation, or patience. And we all need more of that, don't we? Reasonableness, gentleness, moderation, or patience. How we live towards outsiders matters, and we have the, the capacity, the ability to bring peace to our communities. The third way, we, we see this in verses six through seven. He says, don't worry about anything, like anything. In fact, let's just say that together. Anything. You ready? Anything. Okay. He says, don't worry about anything but in everything. Let's just say everything. Everything. Through prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Jesus. Now, when he says, don't worry about anything, I think he means anything, right? But all of us have stuff that we worry about, right? We all have things that, that come into our, our hearts and our minds. We have financial issues. We have uh, job issues. We have, uh, I, I'm afraid my car is going to break down. Or, or we all have a list of stuff that we want to get worked up about. Our kids, Right, moms, I know we, we feel this way for our kids. We get anxious about them. And Paul says, look, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, this process word is pray. That's the you do. So when, when you are like me and, and your heart gets filled with anxiety and worry about whatever's coming up, right? There's a process. God gives it to us. He says, look, here's what you do. You begin to pray and you begin to ask. And, and it's okay to ask. Whatever you're worried about, whatever concerns you, it's okay to ask. Like God can handle that. And we begin to pray we begin to ask, Lord, help me. Please show me what to do in this situation. And, and then Paul gives this promise. He says, look, here's what's going to happen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise of God to you. Like in the midst of your worry and anxiety, if you will just step into his process, ask with thanksgiving. And this peace will guard. Now this word guard is interesting because this word guard is like to keep as in a garrison. This would be like a fortress where soldiers are kept. And, and Paul knows some stuff about guards. 
Paul's probably chained to a guard as he's writing this. He's imprisoned at this moment. He's going before uh, different you know, officials that are heavily guarded people and he sees guards like every day of his life. And so when he uses this word guard, he's using a familiar picture that he's looking at as he writes the letter. And he says, look, here's what's gonna happen. If you will do this process, if you will pray and ask, right, you're, you will actually come into the fortress of God's peace. You will be guarded. Like if, if you could picture like a, a, a troop in front of you of, of just God's presence and his peace and you're stepping behind them. And it says your hearts and your minds will be guarded by the peace of God. And he uses this phrase, it surpasses our understanding. And that's, that's an interesting phrase. Because if you're like me and you get a little bit worried and you get a little anxious and you're like, okay, I'm worried about whatever, money thing. I want to pray and then I want an answer that makes sense to me. Like, okay, here's what you do, Chris. If you start doing this with your money and then doing that and then this is going to happen and then everything will just work out. But see, God never seems to work that way. I don't know if he works that way for you, like where you get like a clear process. For me, it's just like literally like I pray and I'm like, I trust you. Okay. And what happens is there's peace that comes that's actually beyond our understanding meaning it doesn't make sense to us. We, we don't have always a clear plan of action for whatever it is that worries us, but yet we can have peace. We can have peace without understanding in Christ. You see this Christ-shaped living and turning from our anxiety toward prayer and petition brings the cross-purchased peace to our own hearts. And let me tell you, Jesus paid a very high price to give you peace. It's his promise to us. So we, we know that this cross-shaped living brings this, this cross-purchased peace to our relationships and to our community and to our hearts. And then he goes on in this next section. He starts talking about our thinking. He says this in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Dwell on them. He, he uses this word dwell that would be like, like you're going to tell your thoughts what to meditate on. And I think this is interesting because there's this idea that I think is floating around us constantly that we're not in control of our thoughts. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, like your thoughts are just kind of out of your control. Like if you were to take this list and turn it upside down and whatever is false, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is just ugly and nasty, whatever is not commendable, whatever is morally uh, terrible and anything that's not praiseworthy, like our minds want to go towards that stuff. And sometimes it feels like our minds are out of our control, like it's telling us what to do. And yet Paul clearly is telling us to dwell on these things as if you and I have control over our own 
thoughts. That's because you do. That within your being, there is, there is an authority that you have over your thoughts. Your thoughts do not control you. You are in control of your thoughts. Even when it doesn't feel like it, you need to cling to this truth that you are in control of your thoughts. That's why in 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says that we take every thought captive. We take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ, meaning I, in my spirit, the part of me that's been awakened by Jesus Christ, by faith in him, that's alive in him now, I can take these thoughts and make them dwell. I can make them dwell on everything true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, morally excellent, and praiseworthy. I can make my thoughts dwell there meditate on them. And this brings peace to our minds. This is what Christ-shaped living looks like in your thought life. It's bringing every thought into captivity and making it dwell on Jesus. This past week, uh, Casey was telling me a story about a, a family that we know and um, they had um, fostered these two boys and beautiful boys they had brought into their home and these people were wonderful people. Like they just loved the Lord and they, um, their, their home was a home of peace. They were peaceful people. And they, they get the call and they, the caseworker says, hey, we have these two boys, they need a place, can they come to you? And they're like, yes, bring them please, that would be wonderful. And they bring these boys in and the three-year-old, um, it just has trouble sleeping. And the caseworker says, look, um, you know, he doesn't need a crib. You, if you have a bed, that's great. You can just throw him in this bed. And so they, they tried this and, and the, the guys stay with them and they eventually adopted these boys. But what happened was this three-year-old still could not sleep. He would just toss and turn. He'd be restless all night and they could not get this child to sleep at night, and so this foster mom, what she would do is she would go and she would tell the boy to lay down and then she would kind of lay beside the boy and what she would do is she would put a hand on the child, just kind of an arm resting across the child, just like, um, like almost like a weight upon that child so that the child would just be able to finally rest. So a child is brought out of a situation that was bad into a house of peace. So like we just saying, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's atmosphere, this atmosphere of peace in this home, and yet still inside of the child was something unpeaceful, something restless. You know, for us as followers of Jesus, when, when we say yes to Jesus, we get transferred out of this situation that's terrible where we're, we're under the control of the evil one, where we are um, separated from God, that we're spiritually dead. I mean, there's a whole list of things that we could say the Bible says about us before we know Christ. And then when we come to know him, it's like we're transferred out of that atmosphere into this household of God, a household of peace. And in that household, yet there's still something in us that oftentimes is not at peace. We've come out of this place into something good, and yet inside, there's still work to be done of bringing 
peace into us. And I like what Paul says in this last verse. In verse nine, this is kind of summary verse. He says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. He says basically this, look, you've seen my life, you you know how I live, you've watched me, I've taught you, you've seen all the people that have followed me, like you know our example, follow us, try to to imitate our lives, this Christ-shaped living. But then he gives this incredible promise of presence. The God of peace will be with you. And I think of this. You see, if, if peace was all about what you did, it was all about what you did, then it's all up to you. And if you could control your thoughts the right way and you could, you know, if you could get your mind right and your heart right and all that stuff and, and maybe get some more problems out of your life and then you could be in control of the peace that you have. But the reality is that we're like that child brought in and we can't and we need someone else to come and like put their arm on us and hold us and actually bring peace. The God of peace will be with you. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, even though there's still things in us that are not at peace, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, dwells in us. And it's like that arm in those moments where we feel like, man, everything's out of control. My, I have no peace. And like we feel the presence of God that brings peace. You know, peace isn't just up to you. It's the very presence of God. So my last point is this. Real peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. It's the presence of someone. I want you to know that the God of the universe, the God who spoke all this into being, loves you with a never-ending love. He desires you. He's jealous for you. I don't know if you've ever been jealous for a, a, a someone that you liked and maybe another person showed an interest in that person. You like got that thing in you. There's like, no, 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 back off. Like that's, that's my girl. That's my boy. Like you better back away, right? There's a jealousy in you. That's the way that God feels about you. That he's jealous for you. He longs for you. And he's made a way for you in Jesus for wherever you're at in your life by simply putting your faith and your trust that Jesus really did everything for you. And by repenting of all the sin in your life, saying, Lord, I know that that's wrong, the way I've been living and thinking and doing, that's wrong, and I just ask that you would forgive me. When you do that, you are transferred out of this terrible situation into the household of God, the peace of God. Jesus said this in John 16. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. So, where are you this morning? Where's your peace? 
Do you feel like you have peace in your life? Is it, is it peace based on circumstances and when everything's right and when, when all my finances are, are in order and my kids are okay and all that kind of stuff, right? Then I have peace or is it a peace that says, you know, even when there's trouble in the world, I have peace in someone, in Jesus. So this morning, I want us to, uh, to pray together and I want us to uh, respond to the Lord together. Why don't you pray with me right now? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.